Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani, and I wanted to let you know that each and every week I'm part of a great program called the Ringer MMA Show. I host it alongside two absolutely brilliant minds. Their names, Chuck Mendenhall and Pete Carroll. And every Thursday, a new episode drops where we preview the weekend in mixed martial arts and react to all the biggest news. Plus, after every UFC pay-per-view, we give you a post-fight show. So this is what you have to do. Just follow the Ringer MMA show on your Spotify app so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk to you then. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Holiday weekend edition, a Monday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, JJ John Jastrzemski. We're rocking, we're rolling right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And first and foremost, I hope everybody out there is enjoying their 4th of July weekend festivities. We know we're in this like awkward, weird time because it's the end of a weekend, but yet everybody's off on Monday. Like, honestly, I mean, I'm working tomorrow. But most of you are not working tomorrow. None of you are working on Tuesday. Then all of a sudden you wake up and it's Wednesday. So it's kind of throwing everything all off kilter and all out of sorts. So right after we finish up this pot on Sunday, I will be in the lab and we will be thinking about our East Coast bias, our trip to Seattle, which we're very fired up about. We will have me, Raheem Palmer, Stefan will be joining us. And we'll be out there for all the festivities for All-Star Weekend. Pete Alonzo. You know he loves that home run derby. He can't wait to get back to that home run derby. That's like game seven of the World Series for Pete. He loves that derby. So he will get excited about that. We'll probably bet against him because it's not going to be worthwhile to bet on him. Uh, And of course, this ends up being the year. And trust me, I love Seattle. I love the All-Star game. I think about 2001 and being out there watching. I wasn't out there, but Cal Ripken. Last All-Star gave me homers, Jeter homer. The Yankees had tensiling guys there. Lasorda's falling down. Like, it's going to be awesome to be in an All-Star game. But, of course, this is the year we go, and the Yankees are barely sending anybody, and the Mets are barely sending anybody. So, that's our way. That's the way the cookie crumbles. That said, we're going to have a great week in Seattle. Very much looking forward to it. We'll have all sorts of content coming your way Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and we'll kind of see where that takes shape. Now, we'll get to the baseball teams in a minute. I got to start. NBA perspective, kind of a quiet weekend as a whole of NBA free agency. A lot of guys remaining, no surprises for the most part. And in Nickland, what ended up happening is the worst kept secret on planet Earth. The Villanova post-college tour reunion continues at Madison Square Garden. You might as well rename the Knickerbockers the Villanova Knicks, the New York Wildcats. I actually like the New York Wildcats because you got a couple of Kentucky guys on the team. But the Knicks go and add themselves a terrific, terrific role player, a winning player, a guy who's played on winning teams, a guy who's going to have chemistry, obviously, with the likes of Jalen Brunson, and to a lesser extent, Josh Hart, that's Dante DiVincenzo. Perfect role player to bring into this team. Knicks needed shooting. Knicks needed another wing. DiVincenzo is clearly going to come immediately and step up 
right into the rotation. Perfect fit. And for those of you who are annoyed, oh, but what good does this do? How exactly does this move the needle from a Knicks perspective? You've got to think bigger picture. The Knicks were not going to be able to make a move this summer. That was going to transform their team. Who was, who was the guy? For those of you who have an issue with this signing, and if you do, I think you're a damn fool. But if you do, what did you want the Knicks to do? Who was the big player? If you were fantasizing, if you were teased by the idea of, oh, got to push all our chips in the middle of the table. We got to go and get this guy or that guy. Who? John B is not going anywhere. Giannis is not going anywhere. Luka Doncic, for the time being, is not going anywhere. Willard, horrible fit with the Knicks. Going to go and get another ball-dominant guard and put him with Jalen Brunson? Why on earth would you do that? Harden, those rumors were idiotic to begin with. And there was never a chance in hell the Knicks were going to get themselves James Harden. So they're in a position where it's like, okay, you have established and you have built somewhat of a winning culture two of the last three years. And compared to what the Knicks have done since 2000, I mean, this might as well be the glory days of the 1990s. Thibodeau's had them in the playoffs two of the last three years. They won a playoff series last year. They competed their tails off all season. Beat Cleveland, fought against Miami, lost to the better team. So I think you kind of have to look at it and say, all right, can you slowly but surely organically build this team? You build around Brunson. You figure out what you're going to do with Randall down the road. That's not a decision you can make right now because if you dump him, you're basically just dumping him. You're not getting equal value in return. And you keep adding this team. You bring back Josh Hart. We all love Josh Hart, what he brought to the team. Grit, intangibles, defense, three-point shooting was terrific. DiVincenzo should add to that. And the Knicks made a practical business decision. They said, look, Obi Toppin, as popular as he might be, didn't have a role in this. Didn't play a look at defense. You have Julius Randle here. Julius Randle's going to take his position. That's all there is to it. And Toppin couldn't shoot the three. And he wasn't going to play a whole lot. So he's going to be a free agent after next year. You're not paying him. Get a couple of second-round picks in return. Optic-wise, not a great optic. I understand that. Taking a guy as a lottery pick, trading him away for a couple of second-round picks. Like, sure, on the surface, you'd say, "Mm, I don't like that. That doesn't sit well with me. I'll tell you what does sit well with me. The idea of swapping out Obi Toppin and sending him to Indiana and basically getting Dante DiVincenzo in return cooking within the rotation. Knicks are a better team because of that. Does it elevate them to that next tier? No. But again, there wasn't a move to me that could have been made between now and then or whatever that would have changed that. Two guys to keep an eye on. And we're going to talk about this with Zach Braziller when he comes on in a little bit. Ananobi has been linked to the Knicks for years. Solid player. 3 and D. Lengthy. Fits the modern NBA. Good player. Does a swap with Emmanuel quickly potentially make sense? Something to think about. Probably have to give Toronto a little bit more than that, but that's intriguing on the surface. But that's not the guy I'm targeting from Toronto. Now, I don't know if they're moving him. I have no idea what the deal might be. Siakam, that opens my eyes. Because that is exactly the sort of wing the Knicks are lacking. That's a monstrous dude. He's played big minutes. He's played on a championship team. I know he was second fiddle of Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Maybe even third fiddle if you want to count Kyle Lowry. That's fine. But scoring, defense. When he's playing at a high level, Siakam is a fabulous, fabulous player. So that's a call I would make. If Toronto is thinking about really blowing it up with Van Fleet, Heading to Houston for crazy money. And you see the little back and forth between he and Drake. Drake basically said he's going to uh, Japan or China. I don't even know what he said on Instagram. But I love it. Drake's 
talking shit. One of his guys leaves his Raptors. He's a fan. That'd be like me if, you know, Aaron Judge ended up going to the Giants. Not that Aaron Judge and I have a relationship, but yeah, I'd be like, okay, have fun. See you later. Jake can do that stuff, so more power to him. But I am absolutely making that call on Siakam, and I'd be intrigued about that from a Nick perspective. But aside from that, keep building this the right way, and to me, that is what this regime has been able to do. They've been patient. They've kind of been biding their time, and they continue to put a winning product on the floor. From a Nick perspective, it's tough to hate that. Very tough to hate that. Now, a couple of thoughts on the baseball. Yankees losing two out of three to the Cardinals is not the least bit surprising. The Yankees getting shut down by Jordan Montgomery to the point where I'm actually sweating out. Is this guy going to throw a no-hitter against the Yankees is also not the least bit surprising. The dirty little secret remains for the Yankees. All right, they had a couple of games that they pounded embarrassing Oakland A pitching. The Yankees don't score. I don't want to hear about Garrett Cole. Six innings, two runs, not his best. Still good enough to win. I don't want to hear about Jimmy Cordero giving up a couple of runs. Hey, guess what? That happens. Your bullpen is not going to be Teflon again and again and again. Yankees are not scoring. So you go and score one run or two runs, you're not winning. And the Cardinals can score. They've been incredibly disappointing in the bullpen. They're well under 500, but they got a lineup that could put runs on the board. They pounded Severino. I'm worried about Severino. Uh, how can you not be? Severino has been atrocious all year. He's pitching like a six and a half year right. And with Seve, it's always a question, is he hurt? I don't know if he's hurt or not, but he stinks. And I think he'd be the first to tell you. And he told you right after the game, I am not pitching up to my capabilities. That's a problem. That's a big problem for the Yankees. Because that's a guy they're counting on. And you're seeing the, the bank account just dwindle by the minute for Seve. I don't care how desperate needy teams are for starting pitching. If he finishes up this year with a six or a six and a half year array with his injury history, he ain't getting paid a whole lot of money. I mean, he'll be getting a couple million bucks, but the, the, the fantasy of getting 60, 70, 80 million, who's, who's going to give Severino that money? Not me. Not if I'm running a team. I do like what I've seen from Volpe as of late. We talked about that on Thursday. And give ICAF credit. When he plays in a limited role, he's been a useful Yankee. But the lineup as a whole, look at the big guys. Stanton. Torres. LeMayu, and I know he's hit better as of late. He's still under 230. Why is Rizzo out of the lineup on Sunday when they were off on Friday due to rainout? I have no idea. But now the Yankees, eight games over 500, get ready for Baltimore. And the Orioles are good. Now, the Orioles did not have a great week. The Orioles have been a team all year that has scored runs. They're five back. In the loss of Baltimore. Baltimore is 49 and 33. The Yankees are 46 and 38. It's a four game series coming up with Baltimore. Baltimore could officially really put the Yankees in the rearview mirror. They're leading that first wild card spot. Yankees going to have a good week. Then all of a sudden, maybe that first wild card spot is in play. I think the division, as we have said countless times, is done. And the way this summer is really shaping up from a Yankee perspective is. Get healthy. Make a run. Just get in. Get Judge back as soon as you can, if ever. Rodon is coming back on Friday, which I am very intrigued to see. It's weird they're bringing Rodon back Friday before the All-Star break, and then they're going to give him a week off, as opposed to maybe bringing him back after the All-Star break. But I think they're like, hey, let's get him out there. He's ready to go. He's ready to pitch. Let's see him in big league action. So I'm very excited for that. I am worried about this series for the Yankees, though. Baltimore, to me, is a better team. And it's going to bother me to no freaking end when I see Aaron Hicks hit at least one home run at Yankee Stadium over the next four games. You, you, Whatever you do, bet that Monday, if not Tuesday, if not Wednesday, if not Thursday. He will homer in at least one of the games at Yankee Stadium. It is the lock of the freaking millennium. It's the lock. And, and I will bet it. It is the ultimate uh, emotional hedge. 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, bet Aaron Hicks to hit a home run. Just like we should have bet Gallo to hit a home run when they played against the Minnesota Twins earlier this year. That is definitely going down. And I can't even fault the Yankees on that. Sometimes it's time. It's still going to piss me off to no end, but it is what it is. Now, for the Mets, are you all fired up about seeing Alonzo in the home run derby again? Is that going to have you Mets fans all stoked? You ready? Pete grunting and lifting weights and doing whatever the hell he's doing, getting ready for the derby? Go get it. Mets had a nice little weekend, but whoop de do. Got to do a lot more than that. It's a start. Did 2-0 in the month of July. Verlander was great on Saturday. The Mets scored a bunch of runs on Sunday, and Alonzo, to his credit, finally got off the schneid and hit a home run. And you had guys up and down the lineup hitting today against San Francisco. San Francisco, how the hell are they nine games over 500? Like, how are the San Diego Padres and the New York Mets, for that matter, worse than the San Francisco team? San Francisco, I've seen them a couple of times this year. They're not very good. And the Mets got after them today. You survived Showalter, going to bring them there in the top half of the seventh inning, which had all the Mets fans in my life uh, catatonic. You'll hear one of them coming up in a little bit in Zach Braziller, but look, you got to start somewhere. And when J.D. Davis came up in the eighth inning, bases loaded against Adovino, with Adovino losing the plate, did I think J.D. Davis was going to go and hit one up the gap? Yes, I did. Because that's how bad it has been from a Met perspective for a while now. They won a series. Great. Now they're going to go out on the West Coast. Diamondbacks? Padres. The Diamondbacks are 15 games over 500 and have played really good baseball all year. I bet them to win the division at like plus 520 at the beginning of the year. They were like plus 400 as of two weeks ago. Books got to sharpen up on that. Diamondbacks are really good. So they'll play the Mets 4th of July, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then the under. How are the Padres 38 and 46? I mean, they're a bigger disappointment than the Mets. That was my pick to win the freaking World Series this year. Padres Mariners. Can I have a mulligan? Can I put down a breakfast ball, please? That is going to go down as the worst World Series prediction I have ever made in the history of doing this over the last 11 years of my life. Padres and Mariners. Wow. That is deplorable. When you suck, you suck. There's no other way around it. I mean, listen, we... We got a hell of a run. Denver Nuggets, NBA title. Hit a couple of teams in the Sweet 16. Like, we, we, we had a nice heater. Like, great football season. Great football season. Didn't have a great playoff. Had a great football season. But, man, Padres and Mariners for the World Series. Oh, I'm cringing thinking about it. All right, let's take some calls. If they're thinking about that World Series prediction, I, I need to get in a better mood. So, our voicemail number is 917-382-1151. We'll rip a bunch of calls on Thursday. Our final pod before, I guess, our trip to Seattle? Yeah, it is. Because we live for Seattle first thing on Sunday next week. So we'll be in Seattle for next week's show. Uh, voicemail time. Let's go, Steph. Hey, JJ. It's Anthony from Tom's River. I actually had a Nick point uh, for you for today. Um, you know, free agency started uh, this past weekend, and a lot of crazy signings were happening. Just kind of want to get your take on what the Knicks are doing and what they may or may not do. Um, I know they got, I signed, they signed DiVincenzo. They traded Obi Toppin. They're making these very small moves. Uh, you heard about these James Harden rumblings, which I don't think was really serious, but it kind of seems like this team is really going to stay stagnant for the most part. And, and I think Julius Randle is, is going to be here, whether fans want him here or not. Um, just kind of want to get your take on like what this team is next year and going forward because we've been waiting for them to make a big splash, especially with the picks that they've been acquiring over the past couple of years. And it just seems like they haven't made a move yet. Maybe they're not happy with some of these names that are out there. Like, you know, Damian Lillard, I don't think makes sense or Bradley Beal. So I guess they're still playing the waiting game, but until then, I guess we're kind of just, um, we're just sticking with the same roster from last year. So just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks, JJ. Anthony, I appreciate it. Look, I think it's the right course of action for the Knicks because of what's presented in front of them. You know what I mean? They're not presented with an option that is, wow, 
this changes the landscape of our team. They had one potentially last year in Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell was an All-NBA player. He put up fantastic numbers. He was an absolute loser in the postseason. Can, can we acknowledge that? For the second year in a row, Jalen Brunson embarrassed Donovan Mitchell. Embarrassed. And I don't know if Jalen Brunson would have put up those same numbers and would have had that same level of performance if he didn't have the ball in his hands. So, looking back on it, it's interesting because, yeah, you'd be dynamic with a Brunson-Mitchell backcourt. Like, yeah, if they could make it work, that'd be so much fun to watch. They also would be an absolute disgrace on defense. Like, let's be fair. Uh, Donovan Mitchell isn't going to be at you. And Jalen Brunson tries on defense, but he's not particularly good at playing defense at a high level. He's, just, he's not a great defender. So I, I think the Knicks are going to look smart regarding that move or lack thereof down the line. I do. Who will be the alternative? I, I, I'm still waiting to see. So for the time being, yeah, you kind of keep it status quo. You make a move like you do with DiVincenzo. And listen, that may mean the Knicks going to lose in the first round next year. But what was, what was the move that's going to be made this summer that, that, that changes everything? If you have that for me, I'm willing to listen. They don't have that move. And they know it. But that's fine. Don't make an ill-advised, panic, short-sighted type move. They don't need to do that. Who's next? Hey, JJ. This is Eric from Syracuse. Another lackluster weekend here by the Yankees. Um, much as I dislike Cole and uh, will never believe in him until he actually wins a World Series, can't blame him for this one. In the eight innings, Yankees only have two hits. No, no pitcher is going to win like that unless he throws a shutout, which uh, oh, it was nice to see uh, my former Yankee Montgomery get a nice little five and two-thirds no hit. That was fun. Um, the way this is going, I don't think it's out of the question that uh, Baltimore is going to sweep them this week, especially since they're going to miss. Garrett Cole is not going to pitch again until Friday, so... As this is where I think uh, we get buried and we get buried for good against Baltimore. So take it easy, but this is a very tough week for the Yankees. Very, very tough week for the Yankees. Baltimore is a terrific team. They got a lot of confidence. They came into Yankee Stadium back in late May and played really well against the Yanks and took two out of three. And the Yankees can't score runs. I don't know what you beef and your problem with Cole is. Cole won me over last year in the postseason. Money games for the Yankees, elimination games for the Yankees, he showed up. And in an era in which nobody makes starts and nobody goes deep into ball games, and it's nothing but injuries and whining and babyish complaining across the board from these pitchers. Having Cole go every fifth day deep into ball games, I've gained an appreciation for him. I have. And I would tell him that. Like if I see him at the All Star game, I'm going to tell him. You won me over last year in that Cleveland start. Won me over. Because it was a big game. The team needed you. And he said, I got this, boys. Today, he didn't score any runs for him. Yeah, was Montgomery better? Yes, he was. Montgomery outpitched him by a little bit today. Easy to do against this Yankee lineup. Especially with Montgomery having a dangling carrot of motivation thrown his way. Him shutting down. Again, guys coming back against the Yankees or the Mets, for that matter, and playing well against them is like the least shocking thing ever. Montgomery pitching well didn't surprise me. Hicks over the next few days hitting home runs is not going to surprise me. And that's why I was actually stunned J.D. Davis didn't go and wreck the game for the uh, Giants in the eighth inning against the Mets. That actually surprised me a little bit. All right, let's take one more. Steph, let's hear it. J.J., Justin in Miami. Comment on the Knicks, one on the Nets. Look, the DiVincenzo signing like it. He's a really good, solid player, good defensive player, gives you shooting. But I got to think this has repercussions for Emmanuel Quickly's future in New York. I think he has one year left, and he's already extension eligible. He's coming off his best season, but he's looking for big money. And I got to be honest, when you look at the backcourt, you know, are you really going to pay Emmanuel Quickly $30 million, $25 million a year? Because that's probably what it's going to take. And now he's one of, what, five, six guards, five guards on the roster? I mean, to me, it's kind of this. What this does is set the Knicks up to trade quickly. Really, where his value is pretty high, and I know they got nothing for Toppin, but but quickly's a guy. If you're going to move him, you got to get something for him. I mean, like a legitimate first round pick. I'm not talking about 
like a Celtics first rounder, or, you know, the team which I really think you could see him get traded to is, is the Raptors. The Raptors are probably rebuilding at this point, and they don't have a point guard now. So there'd be a challenge for quickly to go in there, play big minutes, really show what he can do even more. And if you're the Raptors, I mean, could maybe we see a package for quickly for, for Siakam? I mean, I think Siakam's been expiring in a year or two. He doesn't really fit their timeline anymore. They're not going to be good. You know, would, would something like quickly in a pick or two maybe get the next Siakam? I mean, I know it doesn't make you a title team, but, but if you get Siakam, you know, now all of a sudden you got a pretty nice roster. You got a team which could maybe compete in the regular season for a top three seed. Cause I don't think teams like the Heat or maybe even the Bucks are really going to go all in. So I think that's an interesting thing to watch with the Knicks. You know, as for the Nets and Lillard, I, I got to be honest, this just screams, please pay attention to us. Because what is, what is, what is a team of Damian Lillard, Mikhail Bridges, and nothing else on the roster? Yet, to me, that doesn't do anything other than 43, 44 wins. And if I'm Damian Lillard, I mean, am I really leaving Portland for, you know, a place in New York where – I don't have a championship team. I mean, let's be honest. If New York didn't care about KD, Kyrie Irving, and Harden at a time when the Knicks were terrible, they're certainly not going to go watch it. You know, a Damian Lillard, Mikhail Bridges team when the Knicks are relevant. But to me, I think this is the wrong move if you're the Nets. It just screams of somebody, please pay attention to us. Uh, and if they want to do it, I mean, I guess go for it. But but you're not going anywhere, and you're gonna have no picks. Talk to you later, man. Good call as always, Justin. We're gonna be monitoring Mr. Siakam, who to me would be. A tremendous fit for the Knicks. Exactly the sort of player they're looking for. I, I'd love to get my hands on Siakam. And a, as far as Lillard, here's the problem. Right now, Portland, it, they're picky. And I think Miami clearly wants him. Miami does not have the sort of picks that you would expect to get in return for a top player like Lillard. So they're kind of in like a weird spot where it's like, is it Tyler Hero and expiring Lowry? Like the the package and the offer is just not going to be great. That's why what I think is going to end up happening here, not that I am Nostradamus by, by any stretch of the imagination, this has three-team trade written all over it. Portland, Miami, and then you get another team involved. Not Lillard for the Nets. How about Tyler Hero for the Nets? Makes sense. They need shooting. They need offense. They need somebody to go and get buckets, even with his limitations on defense. And I think they'd be willing to take him on. So you get Lillard to Miami, you get Portland involved with some picks, and you get Hero to the Nets. Three-team trade? I like the sound of that. And I'm, root I'm rooting for Lillard to go to Miami. And I know Nick Finn is going to hate me for this. Listen, my objective now, Nick's Success, of course, my fan. But how do you not root for Jimmy Butler? Like, that guy deserves to win a ring, as far as I'm concerned. And if you're asking me, who would I rather see win? Boston or Miami? Easy call. Miami. W without hesitation. Teams in the West? Yeah, I'd probably root for them over, over Miami. I would. It's weird. My Miami hate has really... Kind of, and this is crazy because the Knicks lost to him in the playoffs. But I sat there and I watched them in the postseason. I'm like, oh, how do you not root for these guys? They're likable. The coach is likable. The star is likable. They play the game the right way. Like, call like I see it, folks. It's a very, very likable group. So I actually would like to see him win at some point in time. Not at my team's expense, but if Jimmy Butler goes and wins a ring, I'm not going to be upset. Yeah, I said it. Don't hate me. All right, Zach Brazilla. Who does hate me for a variety of different reasons? Uh, he's going to hate me that much more when he owes me a steak dinner in the month of uh, January, which I look forward to. Uh, we got a lot more on DiVincenzo. What's next for the Knicks? And, you know, he's just dying to kill his Mets, even after they win two out of three. All right, ZB's up next. Hit a homer with $5 Dinger Tuesdays on FanDuel Sportsbook. Each Tuesday, all customers will get $5 in bonus bets for every home run hit by both teams. When you place a $25 to hit a home run wager on MLB games. And the best part about Dinger Tuesdays is even if your bet loses, FanDuel will pay you $5 for every home run. So, home run pick, you know it's happening, folks. If you're a Yankee fan, just call it an emotional hedge. Aaron Hicks is going to homer against the New York Yankees. 
He played really well for the Orioles. He's back in the Bronx. You know he's going to stick it to me and all the other Yankee fans. Aaron Hicks to go Yahtzee on Dinger Tuesday. There's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. Head over to your FanDuel account or download the FanDuel Sportsbook app by going to FanDuel.com slash NYNY to pick your home run hitter. That's FanDuel.com slash NYNY. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. Bonus issued is not withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Max bonus $25. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. So I figured it's perfect timing. First couple of days of free agency now are in the books. His Mets, even after winning two out of three against the San Francisco Giants, they're probably going to be sellers within the next couple of weeks. But as I welcome in Zach Brazil from the New York Post, forget about the Mets. That's that's back burner as far as I'm concerned. ZB, you spent a lot of time around Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, and Dante DiVincenzo in college. Are you ready for the Villanova Knicks? Hey, look, you, you, you can't really go wrong with a Villanova player. He's a guy who shot almost 40% from three. I, I find it kind of strange. You've seen a lot of Knicks fans on Twitter not really happy with this move. I, I think it's a really good move. I do. I think the Knicks got better Saturday. Maybe, maybe not significantly better, but they got better. They traded a guy, Obi Toppin, who really didn't have a role here. They get a guy the coach is going to love, a two-way player, a guy who can shoot the three. I, I think the Knicks had a good day on Saturday. I agree with you. And look, I, I think, unfortunately, Zach, there's a sentiment and there's a quotient of fans who are just aching. They're dying for that star. And when you don't get the star, there's levels of frustration. But my counter to any Knicks fan out there is, what star were you getting? Damian Lillard doesn't fit your team. You and I discussed this right after the season. We wanted no part of Carl Anthony Towns with the New York Knicks. So you kind of have to do it in this way where you build around Brunson, you stick with Randall for another year, and you try to add two-way players that complement the roster. Dante DiVincenzo is exactly that sort of two-way player. He plays defense. He hits the three. You don't have to worry about chemistry with the other guys on the team because he's going to bring that to the table. Listen, this is what they can do this offseason, right? Like, they have limitations because they're cap-struck. They're not in a position where they can go and go and get superstar A and superstar B, pluck them, put them on the team, and take it from there. And look, a lot of the guys who've gotten big contracts um, in the last few days, I mean, Dylan Brooks and Cam Johnson and uh, Bruce Brown. I mean, these are guys who would be third or fourth guys on the Knicks. You know, I mean, if the Knicks have a young team with good contracts for them. Basically, everyone is good. Even Randall's contract is good. They have good contracts. They're coming off of their best year in a decade. And look, they might not be done. Um, they, you know, look, I, I've been talking about for a while. I think OG had a movie fits this team perfectly. Toronto really doesn't have a point guard now after losing Van Vliet. I, I don't think quickly in picks is out of the question for him. I, I really don't. Now, look, we got to, I don't know what Orlando, what Toronto's plans are exactly, but it kind of, a, it would be a move that would make sense to me. The Knicks do need a big wing. I think that's one thing that to keep an eye on. I, I, I think you're probably, this is probably the roster, but I don't think, it's definitely roster. I think there is a chance they can make a trade. Interesting. I like Ananobi. Solid player. Wing. Fits the modern day NBA. So there's a lot to like there. Would there be a concern though, ZB? Paying Brunson. Paying Randall. Paying Ananobi. Assuming that Barrett is not involved in that particular trade. Do you worry about maybe maxing out that cap a little bit? Or do you look at him as a guy that maybe could be moved down the road or somebody else could be moved down the road? Would you let the financials get in the way of that sort of move out of curiosity? No, no, I wouldn't. Because look, you could always, you know, if that big star becomes available, you maybe move you move a Barrett or, or an Ananiel Nobu. Like, he's, you know, basically all the Knicks contracts are they're good contracts. I mean, Jalen Brunson is making as much money next year as Bruce Brown. Uh, RJ wow. Barrett is making That's less insane, money than Zach. Cam that Johnson. is insane, man. I mean, wow. yeah, the Knicks, it's a good contract. I mean, um, the Knicks have a lot of really good contracts. And uh, that's why it was moving Obi was a smart thing because they weren't going to extend them. You get, now look, 
there's no doubt the way the Knicks handled the OB for three years probably wasn't the right thing. There's no question. They, his value was, was dropped. Uh, some of that was just the situation. And, you know, Julius Randle emerges as an all-star. The coach is so keen on having that rim protector. Randle and Obi didn't make sense playing together. Uh, so, look, it, it clearly what didn't work out. But I do think they made the right move in terms of freeing up the space. You get DiVincenzo, who's a good two-way player. He's going to be your seventh, eighth man. And I think right now, you know, the Knicks are probably somewhere four to six in the East. You know, we see if, if Philly doesn't get great pieces back for Harden, maybe the Knicks are the fourth best team in the East after Miami, Boston, and Milwaukee. And I, I, I think Knicks fans just need to just be okay with this slow, steady progress around because it's, it's been pretty good here for three years. They're, they're on the, in the, headed in the right direction. No doubt about it. I don't know how anybody could argue otherwise. They won a playoff series for the first time in a decade last year. Playoffs two of the last three years. They respond from a down year and answer with their best year in quite a while. Glad you brought up Toppin. Look, he's always going to be this what could have been. He tantalized you at times. We know he's super athletic. We know he was a lottery pick. But Zach, after watching him in the postseason, and knowing that you don't have a whole lot of roster maneuverability, even with some of these contracts being team-friendly deals, kind of feel like, yeah, they missed the boat on not doing something with Toppin sooner, but it's better they go and get a couple of second-round picks as opposed to him playing, not playing much for this team at all, and then basically walking in free agency. And I also think they kind of did him a favor now too, ZB, because he's going to get burned with the Pacers. He's going to be able to put up numbers and will probably get himself a better contract at this time next summer. Yeah, no, I, look, I think it was the be- uh, it was the best for both parties, and we'll see what he can do with a bigger opportunity. From what we've seen of him here so far, he's a very limited defender. He's a limited shot creator. Yes, he's a great athlete. Yes, his three-point shot did improve this year, um, but he's got a lot of holes to be a starter in the NBA. You know, right now, he's, he's an energy bench guy. Um, can he show, could he be more than that and show he can be more than that with Pacers? Look, he's going to have the opportunity. No question about it. But I, I do, like, I think Saturday was a good, was a good day for the Knicks. Um, I like, you know, uh, we'll see what happens here with the Heat and Dame Willard, see what happens with Philly and Harden. But I think the Knicks did what they could. They, they, they added a quality rotation player who the coach is going to like, the coach is going to play. And look, we saw it in the playoffs last year. The Heat dared them to shoot from, from deep. Outside of Brunson, they really couldn't do it. Now, part of that was quickly struggled. Randall struggled and quickly got hurt. But you get another guy who can shoot, who can be a, a shot creator. Like I, I really don't see any negative. It's You're paying them $11 million. It's not like you're paying them a big, big money deal. A lot of people think that's a really good value deal. I think this was an absolute no-brainer. Uh, I was wondering about this. I'm sure there are many Villanova people wondering about this. You got Brunson. You got Hart. You got DiVincenzo. And I'm a Thibodeau guy. You know that, Brazil. You know I've had his back. You know I have defended him. I think he squeezed the most out of this roster two of the last three years. They get off to a bad start. They end up going in the tank, and we're talking about a coaching change. You know Jay Wright is immediately going to be linked to this job. Could you see any way down the road, whether it's a year from now, two years from now, four years from now, and you know Jay Wright very, very well, with the idea of coaching Brunson and some of these other Nova guys in the NBA with the Knicks, you think that would intrigue them? Like, it's a good question. I mean, I had always heard when he was a Villanova that the only job he was ever leaving Villanova for would be the 76ers job. He's a Philly guy. Um, I I would be surprised if he ever took the job there. I, I would. Um, you know, look, I, I don't think Tom Thibodeau gets enough credit. Two out of three years in the playoffs. He, he, you know, he, he's this, this notion that he doesn't like young players. He's not Buck Showalter. He actually likes young players. <laughs> unlike the Mets manager who, you know, you know, who, who can't stand them. But I like, knew you couldn't because, wait to go in that direction. I didn't even have to fire you, know, you up on that one. You couldn't wait unlike to get the, after you know, Mets. He, you know, who, 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 you know, if you're not 33 years old, the man, the Mets manager, you know, doesn't seem like he likes, but look, you look, I know people, Nick's fans will point to Obi, but you look at Grimes, you look at Barrett, you look at, um, Mitchell Robinson, Grant, I mean, quickly, you know, he's really, the Knicks have developed good young players. 
Um, I think Tom, I think Thibodeau doesn't get enough credit. I, I, yes, he got out coached in the playoffs. Guess what? Eric Spolster is the best coach in the NBA. So getting out coached by him, there's no, there's no shame in that. He coached absolute circles. I mean, circles around Bickerstaff in that first round. It was, it was, it was, it was embarrassing how badly he outcoached them. I, I, I think Tom could, uh, you know, look, if they have a really bad year, couldn't get, be in trouble, maybe. But like, you know, like he showed last year when they didn't play well for that first month. He, he, he's not afraid of making adjustments. He's not afraid of making changes. And I mean, I, I just think Nick fans should have more belief in him. I'm right there with you, by the way, uh, with Thibodeau. I think Thibodeau is underappreciated. I think Thibodeau has done a wonderful job. And I'm a-okay with him being the head coach. Again, I don't know how anybody could look at this roster over two of the last three years and tell me a different coach is getting more out of the team. Listen, they're on the how up about, and up. How about, how they're about, moving in the right direction. How about, um, how about he gets a little credit for Jalen Brunson basically becoming a top? Like, yes, he had a really good postseason with Dallas. No doubt. But he had never done it anywhere close to what he did over a full season last year. Does Thibodeau just get no credit for that at all? Well, according to some Nick fans, Zach, they would say, yeah, he does get no credit. And that's unfair. And it's unreasonable. So I asked you about right because I have to because of the Nova connection. And you're just going to try to connect the dots. But I'm okay with Tom Thibodeau as a New York Nick head coach. I think about coaches in New York City. And I think about coaches that I root for. I got no problem with the job Thibodeau's doing. Zero. I, yeah, I just, I just don't know if the pressure cooker that is the Knicks is something that would appeal to Jay. I just, you know, he was kind of burned out with Nova and he's kind of enjoying just taking it easy. And look, he's a Philly guy. I just, I just think the, look, I don't think Tom's going anywhere anytime soon anyway. Um, I see no reason why they're not going to continue to at least be a playoff team with him here. Um, I, I just don't see the Knicks and just, the immense pressure working for Jim Dolan being something that would appeal to Jay, even though his guys are here. You mentioned one of the Toronto guys. Have you heard anything, Zach, about the possibility of a guy like Siakam being available? I mean, you heard a report that even if he gets moved, that he wants to return to Toronto. So, I mean, I think teams are pretty wary of that. Look, I love Siakam. I think he's really good. I think I've seen a Rockets being linked to him. I just... There's this, there's talk that he just loves Toronto and he wants to be there long term. So I think teams are going to be very hesitant to really give much up. And Toronto's fascinating because everything you heard was they had incredibly high demands at the deadline, and now they lose Van Vliet. And you know it's kind of like where where are they right now for next year? Um, it, it's going to be fascinating to see. A lot of these teams might kind of wait to see what happens here with Harden and and Lillard before they really move. Um, I can see it kind of being like last year with Mitchell where these big trades might not happen right away. And I would say all in all, ZB, I know there will be a quotient of Nick fans who say, hey, DiVincenzo, great. What's your end game? How are you getting to that next level? But my counter would be, hey, guess what? Whenever the time comes that the right superstar is out there or the right disgruntled star player that fits the Knicks to a T, is out there. Zach, they've never been better positioned to go and get that guy than they are right now. Never. Right. There's Here's the thing I don't get. Like, This is a franchise that's been awful for two, over two decades. They've now clearly headed in the right direction. They're two out of the last three years in the playoffs. They win a playoff round. And they even showed you something against the Heat, forcing that game six and you know really playing well. I thought well for the most part outside of a, you know that second quarter against Miami. It's a team that's clearly headed in the right direction. They're going to be a playoff team. There's no, there's no rush. Did you learn? Did we learn anything from the Carmelo trade? You know, there, there's, there's, there's no rush here. They're, they're positioned well. They've gotten to this point by through patience. So look, you could say whatever you want about Leon Rose, and I would love to talk to him on the record once, but he's done a good job here. I don't, I, I don't think there's any question about it. He's been incredibly patient, and he's made. You know, outside of look, you could argue with a, a draft pick here or a, or a signing there, but he's made good moves. They've developed good young players. Just let it play out. There, there really is no rush. You have a team that's probably at worst top six in the East. Let that player kind of come available and, and see what happens. I wasn't gonna let you come on the podcast and not take a couple of pot shots at your Mets. You're not 
You're not back. Uh, they took two or three from the Giants, ZB. Yeah. You're not ready for that August and September well, wild card I, fever? You're not ready? I mean, the manager basically tried to throw the game away in the seventh inning. He did his best, but you survived it. You got a big Adovino strike let's hear, out of let's the hear you. Let's hear you. Let's hear you defend the oh, guy I can't. that you told me was no, no, basically. No, 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 Listen, I'm not. That's. Uh, let's make something clear. I, I did not agree with the way he drew up the seventh inning. And, Zach, I don't think he's done a good job this year. Let, let's acknowledge that. He's done an awful job. The GM has done an awful job. The team is not as good yeah. as a lot of people thought they were going to be going into the year. But shouldn't be but, this bad, though. But should it, not be they shouldn't bad. be this bad. But you have an issue with the way Cohen is handling this from a GM and manager standpoint. I don't know how you could. No, 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 no. I, I, I understand it. Um, I understand why he's not making any in-season moves. Now, my one, and we've we've talked about this. My one issue is why not try to do something to kind of rattle cages? I'm not saying it's going to change anything. Why not, you know? change hitting coaches why not change pitching coaches i'm not saying it's changing anything but it has happened in the past you know years ago mets yankees subway series they fired bobby valentine's coaching staff and the team woke up and and was and you know got real hot and then i'm not and i'm not i'm not saying it's gonna definitely change it but i just don't understand why they're resistant to try anything and they're just gonna keep just trotting the same stuff out there um you know, Marte and Kana and, and Vogelback and, you know, and just pray that the results change. I, I just, that's my thing is I don't, you know, look, I think the GM is a bigger issue than the manager. I don't think the manager's done a good job. I, I think the GM is a bigger problem. The guy's never been a winning GM ever. He was probably about their seventh choice. He created a bullpen where about more than 50% are guys are quad A guys uh, because he wanted optional arms, which just makes no sense. Uh, I mean, I think he's done, you know, you could say they've been so unlucky with, you know, some of this stuff. But look, at a time where everyone's going young, Billy Epper thought, let's go old. And you look at all these teams that are winning and have good records and they're going young. And the Mets are just so hesitant to that. It's incredible. I mean, Marfientos gets no chance up here. Um, you know, he, he, he can't wait to hit for Batty, you know, when a lefty's on the mound with you know, guys who are borderline major leaguers. I just a lot of a lot about this team doesn't make sense. To me. Uh, are you of the mindset that you want to see Verlander and Scherzer traded at the end of July? So that's a good question. I mean, they both pitched better lately, especially Scherzer. Um, it depends what you can get. You know, um, look. They're going to have to eat a lot of money. Scherzer has a $43 million option next year. And he's picking that Verlander up. He's not saying no to that. Oh, Nobody's paying him $43 million as a free agent. Of course. Even though he's been better. He's picking um, that up. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, Verlander's owed a lot of money. Look, they, they're going to want to compete next year. So I, I just, I wonder how that happens. Um, you know, it sounds like Otani's probably going to stay West Coast. That's what um, a lot of people seem to think from everything I read, especially our, you know, our, our baseball insiders the post. Um, so who, who's going to be in this pitching staff if you get rid of both these guys? Um, you know, you obviously can't trust McGill and Peterson to be guys, you know, you could expect that. I like Senga's, I think has been fine. Um, you know, Carrasco wouldn't be here, obviously. I mean, they're going to go out and sign three starting pitchers. I mean, I, I think unless you get blown away, they probably keep them. Um, I just like I understand why he's not getting rid of the GM. I just don't know how you can trust him to do anything, any make any moves that are going to make you better when you just look at his track record. Uh, it's he couldn't win with the two best players in the sport, and now here he is with an unlimited checkbook and he can't win either. So uh, I just don't see how you can have any confidence in him at all. Well, you have David Stearns next year probably, and we'll see if that boy is still a part of the team or if that boy is going to be working somewhere else. Uh, and listen. Your owner, you know, is going to spend. That's the good news. But I think beyond that poor ZB, you're seeing the warts and the deficiencies of the last couple of regimes and the inability to develop oh, players, the inability to develop pitchers. They have nobody they can turn to in the minor leagues. That's rearing its ugly head here, in addition to Billy Epler, to be fair. But here's here's my question. I said it at the time. There were guys out there, whether it was Jesse Chapman or someone like that, you can get for four or five million. 
and this was late in the sprint. Like, and his he wanted optional arms, which just made no sense. Optional arms is another way for saying guys who kind of aren't quite major leaguers and kind of bounce between the Jeff Brighams of the world. And I just don't understand that when, and this was, I mean, I said it before Diaz was hurt, they were short, good arms. And out of Vino, look, I love the guy. I went to my high school, so I got I to gotta ride with him. But he's a guy who's been, you know, he's very up and down. One year he's good, one year he's bad. Um, to go with him as one of your top three arms was, you know, I think if he's like your sixth, seventh inning guy, I think you're, you're in much better shape. I, I just didn't understand this idea of we want optional arms instead of getting guys who are actual major leaguers that weren't going to cost you that much money. And, they've, and even since Diaz went down, which obviously was just a crazy unlucky break and nothing you could prepare for, they could have went out and got somebody and they just completely ignored it. Meanwhile, the team across town just finds relievers everywhere. So it's, it's unbelievable the way the Yankees develop these relievers and, you know, and the Mets can't develop them whatsoever. Final one, ZB. On August the 1st, as we are getting ready for Jet, Giant, Dolphin oh. training camp, will your baseball can't team wait. be a seller? Or will your baseball team oh. be holding out hope that they can make a run at the wild card? I think I think they kind of don't do much, honestly. I, I don't even think it's about necessarily holding out hope, but it's just I don't think they're going to really – I don't think they'll bite the bullet with Verlander Scherzer. I think they'll give it another go with them next year. Um, I know ESPN mentioned trading Jeff McNeil tonight, which makes no sense. You're going to trade him at – the bottom of his value when he just signed a big contract. You're going to trade him. You're going to wait for him to bounce back to trade him. I mean, not not a surprise that they had no idea what they were talking about, though. Um, you know, I think they'll trade. You know, a few guys. Uh, probably, probably, probably Robertson. Probably Tommy Manny Ramirez. Fam, where all of a sudden, I mean, the guy gets three hits a night. I, he's been on fire. He's probably that. been outside of Nimmo, oh, their best he, offensive player in the last month. It's crazy. He's almost up to a 900 OPS. He's hitting 300. It's 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 bizarre. Um, because the first month he looked like he was almost he was going to get DFA. So yeah, like I think maybe him, maybe Robertson. Um, I was going to say maybe Vogelback, although I don't know really who would want him. Um, who knows? Maybe out of Vino. You know, they'll probably trade a few few guys, but I I don't think it's going to be like a huge sell off because. They're obviously going to look to compete and retool next year with the new, you know, head of baseball operations. Um, so we'll see. Let, real quick for you, where do you stand with the Yankees? They are what they are. They are a borderline playoff team that can't score runs consistently. Uh, I like what I saw from Volpe over the last 10 to 12 games. I think we can calm down with the idea that he's got to get sent down to AAA, but they continue to be a bad offensive team, ZB. That's what the, that's what they are. They're a bad offensive team. And when you play the Orioles like they will this week, when you're playing in the American League and the American League East, when you're struggling to score runs, dude, it's tough to win. I don't care how good your bullpen may be. I don't care how good your run prevention might be. It's tough to win. The pitching's good, man. Good bullpen. You got Rodon coming back. I know Cole lost, but he's obviously really good. They're pitching. I think they're. I think they're gonna make the. Playoff. I would bet on it as well. I would bet on them making the play. If you tell me Judge comes back on August fifteenth, I think they make the playoffs. If he doesn't come back, that's where it gets dicey. Can they generate enough offense? Will they go and add to their offense? They desperately need to do so. Again, this has been the issue with the Yankees for the last six years. It has not changed. It's even that much more dramatic this year. It's the offense, stupid. It's not the pitching. It's not the rotation. It's the offense. That that That's their issue. Case closed. Yeah, and look, and we talk about adding players, but if if Stanton's not going to hit, if Mayhew's not going to hit, if Flavor's not going to hit even more than he is now, I mean, are, are you getting? Are you basically just going to replace those Tough. guys? You I, can't. I don't. I, you can't. Right. No, those guys right. have to hit. So that's. You could compliment Josh it. Donaldson's you could compliment your, it. You can know, you could send Josh Donaldson to witness protection for starters. Uh, but you know, yes, Stanton, Lemayu, Torres got to How hit. about this? Josh Donaldson for uh Vogelback. Who says no? If you're telling me you could go and eat a good chunk of that Josh Donaldson contract, I'll take Mr. Vogie. Sure. Let him be the DH coming off the bench. I don't care. Get Donaldson out of my life. <laughs> 
So he's all yours. Uh, that would be, be a hell of a trade. He's all yours. Zach Braziller, New York Post. Um, unless a crazy Nick trade happens within the next few weeks, uh, I will talk to you and, and I will look forward to uh, busting your chops throughout the fall as my football team will win more f- games than your football team. So have, have you made uh, have you made reserv- have you made reservations? Yet? I will talk to Ron. It'll be early to mid January. <laughs> Uh, it'll be a nice table for two. We'll, well see if anybody else Jets wants to it, join. When the Jets, well, when the Jets have it clinched in late November, we could do it even earlier. Oh, right? you're looking to get the pre-holiday dinner out of me. Mm, I don't think so, bud. I don't think so. Uh, I, I think that dinner has to be whenever week 18 concludes. That way we have something to look forward to fair. to kick off 2024. Fair, fair. Well, we'll have we'll have the Johnnies as a top twenty team. Syracuse knocked on the top twenty five. I like that. So we'll have other stuff. You already set the stage. I like it already. I like it already. All right, ZB, <laughs> don't be a stranger. We'll talk, buddy. Talk to you later. Later. That. That. Perfect. All right, bro. Get out of here. All right, man. Talk Enjoy to you later. the rest of your night. The best. Thanks, dude. Bye, right, you too. Trivia time. And before we get to trivia, I'm I'm going to convince Stefan to start doing these immaculate grids that I've been doing every day. I, I saw a buddy Charlie and Elmhurst is doing them now. It, it's so addicting. Like I wake up every morning, it's like Starbucks and I'm doing the immaculate grid on my phone. I'm mad at myself though today. Royals gold glover got wrong. Beltron. I went Beltron. Did not win a gold glove with the Royals. Pissed me off. Really, really pissed me off. So, Hopefully, we'll have an immaculate one tomorrow. But we have Larry in Florida, who was like doing immaculate grid before there was an immaculate grid. Trivia time. Let's hear it, baby. KJ, Larry. Trivia time. Otani's the third guy in the last six years to have 10 strikeouts in a game and two homers. Who are the other two pitchers? Second question is, all the Cleveland outfielders this year right now have 12 home runs. Who was the last Cleveland outfielder to hit 30 homers in a season? I'm out. All right, let's start with Cleveland. The last outfielder for the Guardians or Indians to go and hit 30 bombs. Mm. 30 home runs, Cleveland outfielders. See, you got to remember, they had Lindor from a power standpoint. They had Ramirez from a power standpoint. Didn't have a whole lot of pop in that outfield. See, I don't know if this guy counts because they traded for him midway through the year, so he probably doesn't count. And I'm betting, Stefan, that this is not the correct answer, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jay Bruce. See, I didn't think so because... It was a split year where they acquired him from the Mets and, you know, he didn't have the full go of it uh, with the Cleveland team or the Indians, whatever. Okay. So I knew that was going to be wrong, but I want to guess it anyway. 30 home runs, Cleveland outfielder, Cleveland Indian outfielder hit 30 home runs. Yikes. Not an easy question. This is not an easy question. I'm like thinking about their playoff teams in 16 when they made the World Series. Did they have anybody in the outfielder hit 30 home runs? That Napoli's a DH, not an outfielder. That Rajay Davis, they had Tyler Naquin. Like they didn't have power hitting outfielders. So that's out. Before that, the 2013 team. Did they have anybody on that team that hit 30 home runs? I know our buddy Swisher did not hit 30 home runs, not Cleveland. So it's probably even before that. All right, I'm taking a stab here. Taking a stab here, Larry. Brady Sizemore. Let's go. See, I knew you had to go back into the archives a little bit here. It just goes to show you how pathetic your outfit has been. So I went back a long period of time. See, I had to like think that one out. I'm proud of myself for that. Grady Sizemore, who had a tremendous 
ALDS against the Yankees in 2007 and a great ALCS against Boston. 3-1. Root hard for that Cleveland team. And then they went absolutely gimp against the Red Sox. Oh, that made me sick. Made me sick. Seeing the Red Sox go win five and then six and seven. Oh, it was disgusting. It was so disgusting. All right. 10 Ks, two plus homers. Pitcher. Otani did it. Who else has? Oh, my goodness. 10 Ks, two plus homers. Uh, Babe Ruth? Uh, it was worth a shot. It was worth a shot. This is this is a very, very tough question. CC Sabathia? You gotta think about good hitting pitchers. Mike Hampton. Mike Hampton was a terrific hitting pitcher. John Smoltz. Mm. All right, I, I could do this all day. Stefan, where am I going here? Uh, these two guys, they were some of the best pitchers from the late 2000s, 2010s era. They're, they're two, with a, two, with two legends. I think they'll be Hall of Famers when it's all said and done. Um, yeah, but they are washed now. They still currently play, but they're washed now. I'll say that. Interesting. Washed now. Hmm. Zach Frankie? Here we go. That was a trivia guess the other day, too, and I did not get it correct. So there's another name I'm looking for, Stefan. There's one more? There's one more. There's one more, Jay. Okay. One more. Two bombs. Ten Ks. Still active, too. That's an interesting hint. Jake Arietta. Uh, I don't even know. He's not active anymore. I think he just retired. Actually, this second guy, he's not active, but he was playing this season. I'll say that. He doesn't have a team currently. Interesting hint. He was active. Oh, Madison Bumgarner. There you go. That requires some work. Larry, that was a very tough question, but we got there. We got there. My guy, Steph, helped me out a little bit. And uh, we find a way to master trivia. Now it's on the Immaculate Grid Monday at around 9.30 in the morning. I'll be ready. Starbucks in hand, Immaculate Grid ready to go. Jeff Bunny, Monday, July 3rd baseball card. Four is yours, Poppy. Let's hear it. What up, JJ? Jeff Bunny here to handicap the picks. This would be for tomorrow, Monday the 3rd. I came up with two baseball games. My first one, I'm going to go with the Yankees, even money over the Orioles. We got Herman pitching. I know he's coming off the perfect game, but he only pitched 99 pitches. Let's see if he can keep the momentum going. And game number two, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Brewers. I saw something where they're minus 110 over the Chicago Cubs. Again, two plays. We're going to go with the Yankees, even money, and the Brew Crew, minus the 110. So I want to wish everyone a happy and safe 4th of July. And uh, let's see if we can get it going. Let's see what your picks are. So. I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money rolling with the Yankees. And listen, the line is moving with you, which you love to see. I'm always very, very leery of going with a guy who's coming off a perfect game or a no-hitter. It's just a tough spot in general. I actually would think about the over in that game. It makes no sense. It's eight and a half. The number is way too high. Watch there be a lot of runs. Warm, muggy night. Assuming the rain holds off the Yankee Stadium. That would be my play. And like I said, Aaron Hicks is going to homer in at least one of these games. That's a wager we will make. Dinger Tuesday. Fourth of July, Dinger Tuesday. Aaron Hicks. Cash it. On that note, I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of their extended weekend. Uh, I will have 
an East Coast Bias gambling pod with the boys midweek. And then we'll be back on the New York, New York feed Thursday night, setting stage for the final weekend of the first half of the regular season. And it puts us that much closer to the start of the 2023 NFL campaign. I've been doing some research this weekend. Been doing a little bit of research. We're starting to get there. Listen, there's a lot going on in my life. Obviously, there's a big wedding coming up at the end of August, but we still have our opportunities to gear up for our NFL research. We will be ready to go. You can rest assured that'll be the case. Good job by Steph. Happy 4th, everybody. JJ out. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem call 100 Gambler. Visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 100 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 109 Winton, Indiana, 100-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050. For 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.